welcome again, whether you're online or whether you're in the room, we're glad to have you in worship today, especially during this time as we take a look at uh, God's letter to us. And it's called Letters from Home. This is a letter that the Apostle Paul, inspired by God, wrote to the Christians who were living uh, far from the heart of Christianity. They were in uh, remote parts of Turkey, and he wrote to encourage them about the faith. It's a letter, it's important, and uh, we're on uh, week four in our series. Uh, the reason I know is we're studying chapter four. It also gives us an opportunity to uh, understand and, and kind of digest throughout the series a book, you know, just one book. Every year we try to help our people understand at least one book in the Bible and become more familiar with it, make the Bible less intimidating for you. So we're going to be looking at the last few verses of chapter three, if you have a Bible in front of you at home. Uh, if you have a live app, you can go there, uh, or you can just follow with me on the screen in just a moment. And then we're going to go through the first seven verses of chapter 4. So we're not going to cover it all, but we're going to focus on one aspect. And, and this is Dear Family Man, because it has to do with family and the aspect of being a Christian family. Let's pray. Lord, you went to considerable effort uh, to, uh, to bring Paul the forefront you you brought him out of misunderstanding and in a special way uh brought him to uh, a, a very deep and personal understanding of his relationship with you through the savior jesus that when you first called him he did not even know and and then you inspired him to write words and have protected those words down through the ages for us you've gone to considerable concern to make sure that we hear these words so lord don't let me get in the way you know, use your spirit to enable me to be better than I can be apart from you. And, and then, Lord, uh, help also people who might be distracted at this moment uh, to kind of hone in and, and by your Holy Spirit, reveal to them the aspect of this message that is exactly right for them. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let me begin with an old teacher trick. I'd like to start you with a quiz you know, to uh, help you realize the importance of the topic. And, and so this is a very simple quiz I've put behind me on the screen. Uh, pictures of different people, many of them you know, some you may not. And my simple quiz is this, what do all of these people have in common? People like Bill Clinton, Gerald Ford, Nancy Reagan, pretty obvious so far, but then I throw in Marilyn Monroe. Dave Thomas, the founder of Wendy's Hamburgers. John Lennon, you know, the writer of many of the Beatles songs. Nelson Mandela, Babe Ruth, Lance Armstrong, Art Linkletter, Tim McGraw, Ice-T, Sarah McLaughlin, Louis Armstrong, Jesse Jackson, Priscilla Presley, Truman Capote, Richard Burton, Faith Hill, Steve Jobs, Jamie Foxx, Eleanor Roosevelt, Eric Clapton, and Jesus. So what do they have in common? They were all originally Democrats. No. They all were at one time on the front cover of National Enquirer. That may actually be true. I don't know, but I don't, that's not the point I want to make. They're all dead. No, they're not all dead. They were all adopted. 
And I don't know whether your folks have broken this to you or not, but you were adopted too, and, and so am I. I found that out only recently by reading a letter from home, a letter from the Apostle Paul, when he tells me I've been adopted. And it's an important truth, and it's a great metaphor for us to understand this special relationship that we have with the Lord. Let's look at it from Galatians chapter 3, beginning at verse 26 through chapter 4, verse 7. Here we go. We're going to read right through it, and then I want to come back and just make some relevant points. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who have been baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves in Christ. When did our adoption occur? When we were baptized, when we uh, were brought to the faith through this means, special miraculous means. I want to talk more about that later. Let's go on. There is neither Jew nor Gentile. Think about this. All the things that divide on the earth, all the prejudices that we have to struggle with, all the things that hold us back. There is neither Jew nor Gentile. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you're also Abraham's descendants and heirs according to all the promises that God made to him. Everything he said that would occur for his descendants apply to me. What I am saying is that as long as an heir is is under age, he is no different than a slave. Although he owns the whole estate, it's his. He doesn't realize it. He doesn't have any benefit from it. The heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also, when we were underage, when we had not yet received the adoption of sons, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of this world, slavery to the spirit of the world. But when the set time had fully come, you know, the old King James used to say, in the fullness of time, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might, there it is, receive the adoption to sonship. Now, just, just hold it there, guys. All of us have received the adoption of sonship, and, and a lot of translations today would just say uh, to the family. But sonship meant something in the Jewish culture because only sons could inherit. Only sons were uh, privileged to know that they would receive a portion of the father's blessing. So it doesn't matter gender here. He means it. Whether you're a woman or a man, you receive sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. This is what you were, this is what you are. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. Children inherit the Father's favor. So let's talk about this business of, of being adopted into the family of God. Adoption, first and foremost, is a rescue mission. Uh, Karen Fowler, who wrote Reflections on Motherhood, said, uh, My life has been shaped by the decision two people made over 24 years ago. They decided to adopt a child. They got me. And I got a chance at the kind of life 
all children deserve. She was rescued from what might have been what she realized was a fantastic life by decisions of these two people who chose and acted to adopt her. It was a rescue mission, and she never lost sight of that. This comes out of the first four, first three verses of chapter 4. He said, what I'm saying is as long as uh, the heir is a, a minor, they are no different than a slave. Now, they are enslaved, in fact. They are under rule. Even though they have rights of ownership, they are subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by the father. So also, when we were children, we were enslaved by the principles of this world. You know, our guardian was the principles of the world. And God decided to rescue us uh, from those attitudes and, and that spirit. I don't know if you uh, saw this news story recently uh, of these two people uh, from Alton, Illinois. But the headline captured my attention, and it uh, came on the news. It was repeated a couple of times that uh, a man who was guilty of child abuse in the past had been rearrested because a child had been checked into the hospital that was uh, bruised in the face, the back of the head, and the groin. Uh, an officer said it was one of the worst abuse cases that he had seen in a minor child. And so they arrested Michael Woods, 27, and his girlfriend, uh, Devin Rose. The policeman said, you have to ask yourself, who is worse, the mother who knew it was happening and didn't do anything about it or was afraid to do anything about it, or the guy who did it? Pretty good metaphor for the condition that we lived in under the influence and the abuse of the world before we were rescued out of that situation. Let me just make three points about what happens, you know, when you are a slave or when you're being abused uh, in such a situation as that. The thing intended to be a blessing is not. This mother and her boyfriend or her significant other or the birth father are intended to be a blessing to a child. It's just tragic. It just, just I can't find words to express how disgusting it is when people who have that responsibility in an innocent child, instead of being the blessing they're intended to be, become an abuser. Secondly, they're helpless victims. Children can do nothing. They can't run away. They can't dial 911. They can't get help. They just have to endure the abuse. And then finally, it sickens those who know better. You know, every time we see those stories, and I went online to, to find that story just to know the facts about the story after I saw it. And page after page of stories like that across America occur. And it's just more common than we even know. And I think this is true also of our condition. You know, until you have been adopted into the family of God, the thing that is intended to be a blessing to you, the word of God, is nothing but an abuser of you. It says you should not do these things, and you end up doing them. So it smacks you upside the head and says, you're worthless, you're no good, you're not capable. And when it says, these are the things you ought to do, you say, I can't do those things. I've tried to do those things. I've willed to do those things. I've resolved to do those things, and I fall short. And so the thing that has been given to you to be a comfort to you becomes an abuser of you, the word of God, until you understand that true religion is not a book of rules of do's and don'ts that you can never manage. It's being invited into the family of God and knowing that you're loved and you've been chosen and made special by the one who has adopted you. And then his word, his counsel is nothing but, you know, salve and wisdom and 
counsel for a better life. Your dad and your mom know that you're going to mess up. You know, it's age-appropriate behavior. You're going to fall short because we're spiritually immature. But they're not going to whack you for that. They're going to love you, and they're going to encourage you to get up and, and, and strive better. Even though you're a helpless victim, you know, of this, you are going to be rescued. And it should sicken us to know that the world largely believes that to be religious means that you function under a form of behavior. And the reason people don't want religion is because they see religion as a, as a way of life instead of the one who gives life, instead of a relationship. You know, they see us as holding a standard and, and looking askance at them. Jesus was not that way. You know, the woman by the well, she had been married five times, and the man she was living with now was not her husband. Most religious people would not have talked to her. Jesus engaged her in polite conversation, you know, not immediately revealing her sins or her faults, but just revealing his concern for her so that he could eventually get to the real issues in her life. First and foremost, our adoption by God is a rescue, you know, from that way of thinking, and it should bother us that the rest of the world sees religion that way. You know, they don't understand that this is God's rescue, you know, from the world that will abuse them. Secondly, adoption is parenthood by intention. Bill Clinton uh, was um, born to uh, a single mom. Actually, uh, father ran away, unwilling to accept the responsibility. Mother could not handle it. He was adopted by his uh, grandparents. Uh, he said, perhaps there is no greater miracle than finding a loving home for a child who needs one. No greater miracle than being rescued, you know, when you need to be rescued. Uh, Dave Thomas, who uh, founded the Wendy's Hamburger Chain, has established a foundation for kids who need adoption. He said, everyone's got to be in favor of a child having a home and love. I don't know anyone who would be against that. When you think about this idea that we have been chosen by God, that that our adoption is by his intention, not accidental. Uh, it's amazing how that is found throughout all the scripture. And this is a sub-point in my message today, but uh, this is just so true that when you begin to pull on one thread in the Bible, you'll find that it's found across the rest of scripture as well. And the fact that God chose us, that we are rescued by his intention, is found elsewhere in the Bible. Even in John, the apostle John's explanation of how Jesus came into the world, his Christmas account more or less, here's how he writes it. And yet to all who did receive him, and he says Jesus came to his own, to the Jewish people, and they didn't accept him, didn't recognize him, and, uh, and so he also came to the Gentiles. And it didn't matter, Jew or Gentile, everyone who received him, everyone who believed in his name, to them he gave the right to be called children of God, and that is what we are. You know, this is in the old absolution that was in the old Lutheran liturgy that I grew up with as a child. He gave us the right to be called children. That's what we're special, children of God. Children born not of a natural descent, you know, not just, you know, another baby in the family, not by human decision, let's have a child, not by a husband's will or desire. Uh, it's not accidental, uh, but born of God. This is not a birth like any other birth, you know, that, that occurs, you know, naturally. This is a, a decisive birth that is caused by God. Here's how Peter wrote about it in, uh, in his epistle later on. He said, you are a chosen people, 
a holy priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are special by intention. God's special possession. That you may declare the praises of him by living it out. You know, just being rejoicing that I've been made a part of this wonderful family. He called you out of what you were, slaves to the world, darkness, into his wonderful light. And I like the way he summarizes it. Once you were not special, once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This past uh, week, I I had a a funeral service uh, for a lady who's a member of our congregation. And uh, she brought her mom up from Kentucky when her mom uh, became elderly and and fragile to care for her. And uh, she had her in a retirement center here. And and her other sister was living in California, so she was kind of the main caregiver. And, and uh, so they asked if I would conduct the, the memorial service for their mom. And, of course, we're willing to do that. We do a lot of that now because, you know, uh, you have relationships. And, and so we don't only conduct your memorials, but we do it for many family people as well. And so I sat down with these two girls. The daughter from California came in with her husband. And so we sat down, and I said, man, I, I don't know anything about your mom. Tell me about your mom. And uh, Marty Hagedorn. And, and so they told about their mom and their dad and how they met in Chicago and how they lived for a while in Illinois. And then they moved to Connecticut, and that's where we were adopted. And then they moved to Kentucky. And, whoa. I said, whoa, you just kind of brushed over that. I said, uh, I'd just like to probe that a little bit. You were, you were adopted, you said. Both of you were adopted. Yeah, we were adopted in Connecticut. Then we moved to Kentucky. I said, no, let's, can we just go back to that a minute? I, I said, do, were you always aware that you were adopted? I was just curious, you know, I'm just that way, you know, and I, I wanted to kind of know how it felt like, you know, because I hadn't experienced that. I said, oh, yeah, they never kept that a secret. We always know we were chosen. We always know we were special. And uh, I, I said, did you ever desire to discover your birth parents? And uh, they said, no, we just, we just, this was our family. We, we didn't have that desire. But mom always said, if you, hey, if you're ever curious about your uh, birth mom, and you'd like to discover that, I'll help you. She was not afraid of that, you know, and, and she embraced that. And, and so the kids just always felt they were special. I thought, wow, you have really been blessed to be in a family like that where you have always felt special. And, man, they just, they just had so many tears and fond memories of their mom and their dad who treated them that way. And, and that's what you should know is that you have been chosen. You know, this is uh, something special God has done for you. I know enough about adoption, and I've helped some families adopt, and I, I've helped raise money because it's expensive. It takes considerable effort. It takes considerable energy. I wish it weren't so. There are so many children who need loving homes. I, I wish it were not so expensive. I wish it were not such an effort to bring about the adoption of kids who need a better future. Just think of the effort that God went through to adopt you. I mean, from the very moment that we needed it, God began to plan and God began to promise and he reiterated over and over again what he was going to do to bring about our rescue. And then in the fullness of time, he did it. At just the right time and just the right way, he sent Jesus. He went to all that trouble for me to bring me into the family. Adoption is parenting by attention. Adoption is also status granted. Faith Hill was adopted famous singer. Isn't she married to Tim McGraw? It's interesting that he's also uh, adopted. Uh, She said, I have a lot of respect for my birth mom. I know she must have had a lot of love for me to want to give me what she felt was a better chance. Status. 
opportunities. That's what adoption leads to. Listen to how the scripture describes this. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who have been baptized, all of you have been given, and Jesus calls it anagoneo, born again by water and the word. All of you have been born into this family in the way that he wants to do that through baptism. You have clothed yourselves in Christ. So all the things that the world uses to hold you back, oh, you're a Jew, you're a Gentile, doesn't matter. This trumps everything. Doesn't matter whether you're male or female. Doesn't matter whether you're slave or free. Gender, age, racial, social, economic, slave or free. All things that hold you back, God has done away with them. And he has made you his child. That's all that matters. Doesn't matter what color you are. Doesn't matter what, you know, what your heritage is. It doesn't matter what your past is. He's made you special. He's granted you status. And here's the status he provides us with. First of all, it provides intimacy with God. And because we have been adopted, we cry out, Abba, Father. Strange words there. It just means, dear Father. I think about that sometimes. You know, Jesus, in the Lord's Prayer, I've said this a few times. He, d- he doesn't say you should pray, Almighty, powerful God, before whom I will one day stand in judgment. He doesn't say, pray to the God who created heaven and earth. Those are all true. But he says, when you think about God in heaven, I want you to think about my father. You know, dear father. You know, the reason I can pray with confidence is because I know my earthly father, uh, based on his wisdom and his resources, would do anything that he thought was best for me. Sometimes his decisions were flawed. His resources were limited. But my heavenly father has no limits to his resources. And there's no flaw in his judgments. So when I pray to him, I know that I will receive from him what a dear father would give to a child he desperately loves. I have intimacy with him. It makes me an heir. You know, all the promises that have been made to Abraham, all the things that he says, you know, will flow into the life of a child, will flow into my life because I'm part of the family. Uh, both of my parents have died. My mom just about a year ago and my dad many years ago. And uh, I, I remember, you know, meeting with my brothers and sisters and, and I, I said, you know, um, there may be some special things, you know, you guys decide. You're living there. You've taken care of them and, and I'm quite distant from home. You know, if you want to throw some remembrances of the family my way, that would be fine. But you don't have to worry about sharing inheritance as long as you don't share the bills that are left, you know, so kind of my view of my folks were never wealthy people and, and there was a small inheritance you know you know a thousand dollars or something and I just thought it was kind of interesting you know that even despite uh, their uh, their very uh, common ways you know there was still a little bit left over and you know we all shared in that but we mostly just shared in the inheritance that we got as being part of a family uh, being a part of uh, each other in that special way you are made heirs with Abraham and Thirdly, uh, God has imparted his Holy Spirit into your life. There's a scripture that says that no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. You know, we believe in God because he's put his Holy Spirit into our hearts. On Pentecost, when Peter preached that stirring sermon and, you know, so many thousand people were saved, they said, what should we do? He said, be baptized. Have your sins washed away and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. See, this is why the world thinks that we're a little crazy. This is why uh, if you sit here and, and uh, 
you're still growing in your faith and you're kind of a child um, and we all are to one degree or the other uh, on different levels of maturity regarding our understanding of God. That's why some things God says is confusing to us because we still have to grow up. We still have to mature. But uh, for those who don't have God at all, it's like a foreign language. You know, we've been granted this ability to understand God because he's put his Holy Spirit in our hearts. Here's how Paul describes it in his letter to the church at Corinth. He says, it's not on there. It's my fault, not those guys. Uh, it's in my notes. He said, no mere man has ever seen, heard, or even imagined what wonderful things God has ready for those who love him. But we know these things because God has given us his Holy Spirit. We know what the world thinks is crazy. I once wrote a book called Contrary to Popular Belief because people say, well, my brother or sister who don't believe, they, they just think this is crazy. And I say, your brothers and sisters are right. You know, it's, you receive this by faith because we have the Holy Spirit. No one can search out or know what anyone else is thinking what they're really like except that person himself. And so no one can know the thoughts of God except those who have God's spirit. And God has actively given us his spirit. We don't have the world's spirit anymore so that we might know the wonderful free gifts of grace and the blessings that God pronounces upon us. By baptism, we receive this. I, I just want to say, if you've not been baptized, this is not something that you should do for God. You know, you should be baptized for yourself. Because there's tremendous promise associated with baptism. And we have two more baptisms today. In fact, I want to tell you that last year we received a little medallion uh, from Dale Meyer, who happens to be president of, uh, of the seminary uh, down in town. He trains pastors for the future. And I, I gave them to all the board members and to all the elders, a little crosses, uh, because our congregation had the most adult uh, conversions, most adult uh, confirmations, and most adult baptisms last year in our entire denomination. Before we get to patting ourselves on the back, we had less than 50, you know, uh, probably more than that in terms of adult uh, membership joining our church, but in terms of adult baptisms. And, uh, you know, that's a pretty low bar. It's, it's kind of pathetic that we are leading the church in that. Uh, because 90% of the churches in the Lutheran Church of Missouri Synod had one or less adult baptisms last year. Now, I don't know what less than one is, but I think it's a pretty small number. And, you know, so you know, God, God offers so much here. Why would you not? Why would you not want to be received into the family and, and receive insight that only Christians can have because God imparts his Holy Spirit into our life? And so we resonate to the things that are true even when our spirit fights against them. We know it's true because the Holy Spirit abides in our hearts. So why does your adoption matter? Uh, Michael Orr, uh, you, you may know him from Blindside Sandra Bullock, you know, uh, this uh, big African-American student who was in high school who was homeless. Uh, and they adopted this white privileged family in the South, adopted him into their family to give him a break, to give him an opportunity. And, and it was kind of an interesting experience for both of them. He later wrote, he became an NFL superstar and, and received a huge contract. He said, it's true that we can't help the circumstance we're born into. You know, when you think about the metaphor, whether you're born in faith or not in faith, can't do anything about that. And some of us start uh, out in a much tougher place than other people. But just because we started there doesn't mean we have to end up there. He did not, and neither do we. The thing about baptism is it, it 
It satisfies our greatest human need, and that's the need to belong. You see, because of this scripture and because of what God has done in making you a part of the family, uh, this isn't about what Jesus has done on the cross to save the world. It's not. It's about what Jesus has done on the cross to save you. Save you. He did it for you. Otherwise, those are just stories and miracles and, uh, and interesting truths about other people and at other times. And that's not what we're here to learn about. We're here to learn about what he has done for me and what he wants to do for others. The former is objective faith, just uh, Jeff Pfaff, like creation or miracles or nice stories. But this is subjective truth. This is my story. This is my passport, my ID. You know, I, I can't fly on an airplane because somebody else has their identification card with them. I have to have my own to prove who I am. And, and this is God claiming me and giving me my personal ID. It's my identity. It's my miracle. And, and it provides confidence in life. Uh, when I was uh, on vacation a week or so ago, uh, I was down in Florida, and, and uh, uh, members of, of our congregation generously allow us to spend some time using their home down there. And, and uh, they're readers of books, and I had a book. I'd read it on the plane on the way down, and so I looked around to see what book they had, and they had 41 which is George W. Bush's uh, book about his daddy, George Herbert Walker Bush, who was also president of the United States. And, and uh, so I read it, I underlined it. I was going to take it with me and just steal it. Uh, but the daughter had given it to this man, and, and she had a personal dedication in it, and I just thought maybe that was crossing the line. And, uh, and so I left it there with all my underline in it. I told him that. And, uh, and, and so that book's there. But what was interesting is that George uh, Herbert Walker Bush was raised in a very wealthy family. The, the Bush family before him was wealthy. They were investment bankers in New York. And actually, Barbara Bush was also from a wealthy family. In fact, they met in an exclusive private school. But George Herbert Walker Bush wanted to make it on his own. He didn't want to just ride on the coattails of his family money. And so he went to West Texas, to Midland. And they rented a house. They lived in a rental house to the, to the, to the amazement of their family, who was wealthy. And they offered them positions and money and power to stay in New York. They wanted them to stay there. But they said, no, we have to go on our own. And, and so he's kind of intrigued with this burgeoning thing called oil. And, and so he went out there, and you think, well, he had money. He went out there and just, you know, bought into the companies. But he didn't. He actually worked in a warehouse. He actually drove a dusty truck, and he sold drill bits to various places. And he learned the business from the ground up. Now, don't feel too bad for him. You know, he still had confidence. He still had backing so that when he got to know the oil business, he recruited his family and the wealthy friends of his family to help fund some of his early investments and, and some of his oil lease purchases and eventually uh, kind of break through an offshore oil drilling, uh, offshore oil uh, development, which was just occurring at that day. They were in on the ground floor. So that's where the Bushes got all their money. Uh, he had relationships. He had confidence. He had privileges. Nothing wrong with that. We have that, too. If he had that kind of backing, what kind of resources do we have in God? You know, we have tremendous reason to have confidence in life. We have the Lord who made heaven and earth behind us, and we know how great is his love for us. And it also provides us not just confidence in life, but confidence in death. And thank you, Pastor Howard. Please be quiet now and sit down. This is, this is kind of the end of my message, but it, uh, we have confidence in life. We also have confidence in death because we're part of the family. Please rise with me and share with me this scripture that reinforces the fact that because you're a family, you should have no fear for the future, either in life or in death. This is Paul writing to the church at Rome. 
I quoted a lot of other scripture, but this is uh, his letter to the church at Rome. Read it together. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. You know, just because you're part of the family doesn't mean you're spared difficulty. You know, you'll have difficulty. Uh, our heritage is Jesus Christ. He was crucified for what he believed. But he gladly laid down his life because he knew he was headed to a better place. He was going to be at the right hand of the Father. And, and we will suffer whatever we need to suffer because we know our inheritance is not only in this life. We have strength in this life despite what we face. And we have the assurance that our sufferings are not worthy to be compared because we're part of the family and we're going home. You know, not to a place on earth, but to a place in heaven where God has called his children to gather for a family reunion. Let's pray.